0: Flames are pouring from the buildings now. There's cars toppled. Buildings entire, and town just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the defense informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation or in fact the world ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now.
1: podcast of the Aquaman Shrine and Firestormfan.com. Uh, we are your hosts. I am uh, Rob from the Aquaman Shrine, and my co-host is the irredeemable Shag. Say hello, Shag.
0: Woo!
1: Hello. <laughs> Super high energy late at night. He's got the Mountain Dew or the Diet Sun or whatever he's drinking, and he's ready to go. It's Diet Sun Drop. Diet it Sun has, Drop.
2: it has more caffeine than Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> I mean, we're not talking energy drink level. I mean, I'm not that crazed. I'm not like, you know it, it actually has less than a cup of coffee. But anyway, as far as sodas go, it's like almost the legal limit to still be considered a soda. It's
1: technically a controlled substance, which is fantastic. It's good, almost. It's good podcasting juice. And um, I'm, drink-
2: I'm drinking it out of a um, Firestorm Tune Tumbler. So, you know, represent, buddy.
1: <laughs> ladies. Um, so... <laughs> So, uh, that's, uh, I'm kidding, of course, no women listen to this show. Um, so, anyway, yes, we are back uh, for another episode uh, because you demanded it, True Believers. Um, this <laughs> time, um, we are going to be covering a much-beloved uh, storyline from in, uh, the Justice League of America and All-Star Squadron, uh, a five-part team-up. We'll shag, will get into that in a moment. Um One of the reasons we wanted to cover this is because, uh, frankly, I got tired of the incessant whining of uh, most of you out there complaining that, uh, you know, there's some, like, lopsided coverage. Anytime we gave Aquaman a little more prominence or Firestorm a little more prominence, or I always make sure that Firestorm doesn't get more prominence. Um, (laughs) It's complaints, you know, like, you guys are out there with, like, your levels and you're checking things down by the second. Hey, Firestorm. So this time we decided let's just do a storyline that involves both characters and we can just sort of go back and forth, and there won't be any sort of uh, lopsidedness in this episode. So this is the fair and balanced episode of the Fire and Water podcast. All right, folks.
2: As unusual as this is, I'm actually going to be the voice of reason for a moment. Um, truthfully, where this comes from is we got some, we got a great letter recently. Uh, I think we read on the last show saying, "Hey, why don't you guys cover an old storyline? You know, why don't you give us a little history lesson?" And Rob and I were like, "That's a great idea." So. That's where this comes from, um, and, and that whole fair and balanced nonsense that Rob just made up. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we thought that's a great idea. So this is this is sort of your uh, DC Comics history lesson.
1: There you go. Exactly. Um, one thing I wanted to mention just right off the bat, before we even get to this, and and once again. I said I'm gonna, we're going to try and keep this episode, you know, sort of tight. We um, <laughs> <laughs> said that we we're going to do that the last week and the last, and last episode. And last episode was the longest one we put out. So uh, I'm going to try again. Um, but I did want to mention this uh, just offhand because it, it's it's kind of boring technical thing. But, but stick with me here for the next approximately 45 seconds. Um, last episode, <laughs> there was uh, some accidental, um, what shall we say, uh, four little words in the show, <laughs> which I had not intended to leave in. Uh, there was a, shag,
2: shaggy's got a potty mouth. Yeah, shag has got a potty mouth. Shaggy's the
1: <laughs> one with the children, and yet he's talking like a sailor. And uh, he cursed at one point and instructed me to edit it out, which I uh, promptly did. So then, of course, you know, I, 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 I always listen to the file all the way through, make sure it's okay, and I put in the sound effects and all the other stuff, and... Um, put in my backward secret messaging and then
2: uh, subliminals right
1: yeah there it is and then uh, vote democrat so then we put it up and um, I, I download the show again off of itunes I always do that just to double like triple check make sure everything sounds fine so I download the episode off of itunes just like anybody else would and I'm listening to it, and there it is. There's this clip <laughs> that's not supposed to be in there. And I'm like, what the hell happened? So <laughs> I go back and I edit it. And as,
2: as, as you drop the H-bomb, I just want to point yeah, out.
1: Well, they can say that in a comic book. I think it's okay. okay. Um, this episode rated T for teen. So uh, <laughs> I go back and I re-edit the file, and I put it in. I double-check it, and there Shag is again cursing up a storm. So I could not figure out what's going on. So long story short, uh, basically I was having some problems with GarageBand in terms of uh, the files being overwritten and not being overwritten. So I finally did figure it out. I put up the correct edited one. But, of course, there was like a day or so where the sort of uh, booby episode, (laughs) as we'll call it, um, was downloaded, was downloadable, and was apparently downloaded because a couple of you guys mentioned it in the comments. So for those of you who have that episode – you should rest assured that that episode is now, in fact, like a, a rare and soon <laughs> to be <collectible> collectors item. <laughs> collector's item because it doesn't exist anymore. So uh, years from now, uh, when the Overstreet Price Guide starts including comic book-related podcasts in their book, they will list that episode as a uh, super rare, uh, valuable episode to have because it, it features that clip that shouldn't belong in there. So for any of you that didn't expect that word... Uh, I apologize, and I didn't want us to get in trouble with iTunes, because you have to mention that the show is explicit, if it has that kind of word in it, and I didn't, and you can actually get kicked off of iTunes for doing something like that, um, so I don't want that to happen, obviously, so that was just a weird technical thing, and my apologies to anybody who was maybe, you know, put off by it, I don't think anybody was, but in case you were, uh, my apologies, and I will, like, quadruple check this episode before it goes out, uh, because, uh... I, you know Shag just curses up a storm I mean that's just the one I didn't catch He's generally cursing <laughs> Every ten minutes So I have to constantly Edit out That's just the one I missed You know it should it's have like, heard me Before we started the show tonight <laughs> It's like It's like whack-a-mole So you know um, So I've already anyway, I've already seen I'm already blowing my own promise, that was not 45 seconds. That was much longer. So let's just go <laughs> and move
2: on. No, see, uh, n- my turn. Now I'm going to talk about how absolutely geeky I am unintentionally. Well, I
1: think we already know that, uh, but all
2: right. Well, I, a good point. I'm sorry. How absolutely geeky I am at the moment. <laughs> so uh, I, for those of you who don't know, I live in sunny Florida, and uh, it's not so sunny right now. It's actually kind of cold. You know, it's, it's almost like in the 50s down here, which oh, is shut s- up. freezing for oh, us. God. No. Seriously, dude, I can't. If I day I can't wear shorts and flip flops, that's not cool. Anyway, um, so I just I threw on some pajama pants, and I was looking for a blanket, and I found a snuggie. Sorry, they're I, they're ridiculous, but whatever. Um I needed my arms free to be able to manipulate all the podcastiness that's gonna happen here. And I threw on, completely by coincidence, a matching pair of pajama pants and Snuggy, and they are the DC comics ones where it's uh it's all these cool logos from the comics. Like it's got the Justice League of America logo, the Green Lantern logo, the Martian Man on a red tornado, Flash, Aquaman. What is that doing on here? That's just crap. <laughs> that
1: makes it uh, cool.
2: That makes it Oh, that's just on my my, my bottom. Okay, that's fine. Uh, anyway, uh, Hawkman, a green arrow. It's just these cool pajama bits. They're like black. I got them with crazy colors and stuff. Anyway, it turns out the Snuggy matches it too, so I'm like extra super goobery right now. Um, but Sorry, am,
1: ladies, he's taken.
2: But I am warm, so that's what matters. <laughs> All right, I'm all ready. <laughs>
1: How about you, Rob? Now that we've established our bona fides, we can move on to the meat of the show. Um, so anyway, so what is the storyline we're going to talk about today, Shang? Uh,
2: we are going to talk about... drum roll, please. Crisis on Earth Prime. This is a pulse-pounding crossover, <laughs> folks, that spanned five comic books. Uh, back in good old 1982. And it was actually uh, the 20th annual team-up of Justice Society and Justice League of America. For those of you who are not old-school readers, uh, a little history lesson, uh, there was a period of time where the JLA and the JSA would get together every year. And it became a huge tradition. And usually it would be like a two- or three-part story. After a while, it kind of became a big deal. It's like everyone got excited for the JLA-JSA crossover. And it was always appeared in the JLA comic because JSA didn't have their own comic at the time. I mean, they, they were in All-Star Comics for a while, they were in um, adventure comics for a while, but they didn't have their own marquee book. So the crossover always happened in JLA. Well, this just in in, in nineteen eighty-two, there was another series being published called All-Star Squadron. Yay! Ah, oh, such a good book. And it was about the adventures of the 1940s heroes on Earth 2, the same Earth where the Justice Society took place. So quite frequently, the Justice Society would guest star in All-Star Squadron. So this crossover goes through Justice League of America 207, 208, 208, and 209, and All-Star Squadron 14 and 15. And it alternates, you know, one back, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So um, I, I'm going to go into the story in a minute. But I want to talk about a little bit about some of the trade dress of the of the series to help ensure that you knew this was a cross or was connected. Each one carried across the top a banner, you know say Crisis on Earth Prime, Book One, Book Two, Book Three, you know, and so on. But um, really, what I think was the, the coolest thing about this was like a frame around the edges of the cover on the left hand side, the right hand side and the bottom, there are little uh, headshots. Of all the major characters that are in the story, yeah, you used to see them on the inside, like on the splash page in the old days and stuff. But it's right here on the cover. You know, you've got with the JLA, you've got Aquaman, Firestorm, Hawkman, Superman, and Zatanna. For the JSA, you have Doctor Fate, Green Lantern, the Huntress, Power Girl, and Starman. And for the All Star Squadron, you have Firebrand, Johnny Quick, Liberty Bell, Robot Man, and Steel. And the JLA covers are drawn by George Perez. So there.
0: Gorgeous.
2: Go. <laughs> and then the All-Star Squadron covers are drawn by Rob's former um, I don't know, school patron. I don't know how you say that. Patron
1: saint? <laughs> <laughs> uh, instructor. Former instructor, instructor. We can say okay. that. Yes.
2: You can say that. Joe Kubert. Um,
1: Not that he would remember, but that's all right.
2: <laughs> I, I'll just say as nicely as possible, that I love the George Perez covers.
1: That's, yes. I think, I, I am I am a huge admirer of uh, Mr. Kubert's work. I was before I ever went to his school, and I was uh, after, and I was during, even when he gave me bad grades. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but superheroes are not his strong suit, except for Hawkman. I was about um, to say Hawkman. <laughs> except for Hawkman. And, and Hawkman was more almost, the Hawkman as drawn by Joe Kubert was almost more of a sci-fi strip than mm-hmm. it was really a superhero strip, per se. So um, I think by almost anybody's estimation, um, Joe Kubert's superhero stuff is just, that's not his strength. And, you know, hey, the guy's already a friggin' genius. Uh, he can't do everything equally brilliantly. So, you know, uh, I, well, I like the covers she's fine. Yeah, George, basically you're not going to get any better superhero artist than George Perez. So, you know, I don't know anybody that can interspersed covers with George Perez and, and make it look as good. So, yeah. You know. True.
2: Well, the cover to part three is, like, one of my favorite comic book covers of all time. It's just it, – it, you know, it's the, the – first of all, the, the, the frame, everyone looks gorgeous on the, on the Perez pictures in the frame. And I like how he changed up the order of the characters, like, every time, too. I thought that was kind of fun.
1: Yeah, and I guess we should mention that, like, in each issue, it's different heads. The, the drawings are different. It's not, it's not the same head being being used over and over, so you've got all the characters reacting in different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it really did pop off the stands. I mean, I can verify. I bought these comics off the stands in 1982. Um, People seemed to laugh more then. And, uh, you know, I remember (laughs) these things just jumping off the shelves because they just were, first of all, the first two books on the JLA 207, and um, well, let's just say it, ass number 14. Um, Ouch! <laughs> that's the book. Um, uh, have white backgrounds, and that's pretty unusual for comic covers. Then, still pretty usual for them now. So, just the use of that the, the, the bright colors on the negative space really pop out. So, these these things really stood out, uh, even among the flashiness of uh, superhero comic book covers. So, there was. Whoever's idea it was to sort of give them that trade dress, that distinctive look across all five books, that's a really good, really good marketing ploy because it, it it worked. I mean, I would have been buying these books anyway because I was already a diehard fan of both books, but uh, you know, I can't help but think it 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 helped um, goose some sales because it just they were so hard to ignore.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they actually um, when I was first starting to collect JLA comics. Uh, I actually got into the JLA through the Detroit League, and that's when I started reading it regularly. And so I started seeking out back issues. I ended up stumbling across all of these because, you know, the trade dress immediately jumps out at you. And you can't help but go, like, oh, I can get a big, you know, saga here. And and so that's what I, I sought these all five out together. So, all right. To give you um, – we're not, we're not going to go issue by issue, um, panel by panel. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you if you do want a really, really, really deep dive into this story, some friends of mine over at Two True Freaks—they do a, com- uh, a podcast called "Tales of the JSA," and uh, they actually covered each of these issues in depth. Like they did a whole podcast on one issue, you know, wow. a whole podcast on another issue, and, and that's, that's what they're doing. They're actually going through every single JSA, um, like Bronze Age forward story. So it's it's pretty cool. And uh, I'm hopefully... It's been several months since I listened to those episodes, so hopefully I'm not going to be repeating what they were saying. I, I don't think I will. But, um, well, I mean, you know, they're influential. They're friends. Anyway, so I'm just going to give a an overview, and then we'll dive into what we liked, what we didn't like, some things to look for, uh, and why you should or shouldn't read it, you know? So, 1982. Um... Every year they're getting together. This is the 20th annual team-up. So this was a big deal. And it's it starts off basically the Justice League and Justice Society getting ready to get together. It's the Justice League of 1982, Justice Society of 1982 getting ready to get together. All hell breaks loose. And through a series of crazy incidents, you end up, again, JLA of 1982, Justice Society of 1982, the All-Star Squadron of 1942... By the end of it, they all have to team up to prevent Perdegaton, which is a JSA villain from 1947, there's your third time period to keep track of, uh, from annihilating the, the, another world called Earth Prime, I'm going to talk a little more about all that in a minute, but to keep him from preventing Earth Prime, um, using the Cuban Missile Crisis as sort of a crux point, and then eventually blackmailing Earth 2 of 1942. Sounds crazy. Sounds a little hard to follow. And it is to some extent. Yes,
1: and it is both those things.
2: I, I actually sat there and mapped out all, like, <laughs> I did. I, I was trying to keep track of all
1: the characters.
2: Because, I mean, folks, you're dealing with three, three Earths. You've got Earth 1, Earth 2, and Earth Prime. By the way, just if you don't know your, your pre-crisis history, Earth Prime is supposed to be our Earth. The Earth we live on. Like, when, whenever they'd go to Earth Prime back in the old days, they'd actually go hang out with, like, Julie Schwartz, you know, and stuff like that. Carrie Bates and all that. So, in theory, it's our Earth. So, you got Earth 1, Earth 2, Earth Prime. Then you're dealing with multiple time periods. You're dealing with 1982, and 1942, 1962.
1: I'm already confused.
2: And then, you know, for good measure, let's throw in 1947 in limbo as well. <laughs> so... It is, it's a huge, epic, sprawling saga, folks. <laughs> um, just to sort of give just some of the brush strokes. In the beginning, the JLA, on their own Earth, end up fighting the crime syndicate. So if you love evil doppelganger versions of your favorite characters, this is a great opportunity to see them go up against each other. Especially since this JLA was, as I mentioned, Aquaman, Firestorm, Hawkman, Superman, and Satana. It's not your standard JLA. You know, of your, of your your big five, like your super friends type characters, which is what the crime syndicate is the doppelgangers of. So you get to see, you know, the evil Green Lantern going up against Firestorm, or the evil Flash going up against Aquaman, things like that. Um, by the way, the evil Flash named Johnny Quick totally served Aquaman. Anyway, um, I just had to say that. Did you really? Yeah, I, I guess you I, did. To- I, it's even in my notes. Um, the JSA... <laughs> find themselves in limbo, which is where the crime syndicate has been held, and they have to figure out their way out of there. There is a Rick Springfield reference, which, you know, I mean, if it's 1982, you got to talk about Rick Springfield, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and again, I'm just doing brushstrokes here, because if I were to go through and tell you this happened, and this happened, and this happened, we would be here all day, and you'd be thoroughly confused because of all the world jumping. There is a tremendous amount of world jumping. I mean, the first issue alone... The JLA start off on their world. The JLA then go to 1982 in on Earth 2, and then they go to 1942 on Earth 2. Meanwhile, the JSA are in Earth 2, 1942, and Limba. Okay, you confused? <laughs> I thought so. So there are a series of permutations there. Then you, um, then you jump over to All-Star Squadron number 14. I'd say about half this issue is set up for another scenario. Um, the All-Star Squadron is dealing with a, a foe called uh,
1: – oh, The Magnetic you – know what, what is he, the uh, Magnetic? Something? Oh, no.
2: Yeah, well that's his tagline. You, you know what his name is though. You really don't know? No. It's, it's, it's actually – it's almost like they designed this, this issue just to make my job difficult. His name oh, is Nuclear. Is Nuclear. That's right. It's actually Nuclear. That is his name. And it's like, wow, they, they're really trying to hose me on this. Anyway, so he's, he's nuclear, the magnetic marauder. So there, there's a lot of it, It's just the all-star squadron fighting him. But then the other half of the issue is telling you how Per Degaton, which is just known as Degaton in his home time in 1947, he's like this little measly or, or, or mealy lab assistant. And he's helping the scientist build a time machine. And he ends up basically killing the scientist and taking his time machine. Um, and that's how Predegaton always ends up getting his time machine and, and traveling through history and, and screwing with the JSA. I mean, he, has a, he has a history of doing this. I mean, he did it back in the old days in the original comics in the 40s. He's appeared in earlier issue of All-Star Squadron. He appears here. Heck, he appeared, like, what, a year or two ago in the Justice Society comic book You know, in, in post-Infinite you know, Crisis times. So he's, he's a continually reoccurring villain who comes from 1947.
1: And he doesn't have any specific powers. I mean, he's not super-powered. He's just... Super-dickery. Yeah, I mean, he's just kind of your classic world, would-be world conqueror, which is, you know, you you have to admire the chutzpah of that, of just, like, this little guy, just as soon as, like, I'm going to be the leader of the world because I have a big brain or something. Like, wow, okay, confidence.
2: Oh, he's totally a a fascist. um, You know, he's a ginger-haired Hitler. It's kind of what it boils down to. (laughs) So, um,
1: Sounds like the worst children's book ever.
2: Ginger-haired Hitler. <laughs> Sit down and read it with your kids. So the gist of this story, and, and this – because I, I know it's difficult to follow what I'm describing because it really is difficult to explain it. Uh, I've done comic book commentary before, and sh- I've never had the challenges I'm facing here with explaining a comic.
1: Yeah, I sh- should so, mention too – I'm sorry uh, – but uh, it, it's um, – the first chapter is – well, the, the writing credits – Kind of talk- oh, yeah! Talk- totally! Yes, these weren't just created out of the thin air. They People made them. Um, created but written by, as JLA was at the time, Jerry Conway. And then the JLA issues are written by Jerry Conway with plot consultant Roy Thomas. And then that credit is flipped for the All-Star Squadron issues. Um, I will say that uh, considering the sheer complexity of this plot and how many real-world events are sort of retroactively shoehorned, into this plot, I'm going to say that this is, like, more than 50% Roy Thomas.
2: <laughs> Quite to, possibly.
1: Not to take anything away from Jerry Conway, who could definitely write some involved plots, but this whole storyline just just feels like something Roy Thomas really sank his teeth into. So, I'm not exactly sure he'd just be plot consultant, but... Well, boom, yeah,
2: you know. the history, good point, yeah. I guess definitely. we could ask
1: them both, because, you know, we... we, we we, You know, we have talked to those guys in interviews and stuff, uh, so I guess we could ask. We should have maybe done some research before we started talking, but what's the fun in that?
2: <laughs> there's actually the, uh, the Tomorrow's uh publishes those all-star compendiums, and there's a tremendous amount of detail like that in there. So uh, those are worth picking up, by the way. The artist credit on the Justice League issue, Don Heck and Romeo Tengal, and uh, – that's, that comes into play a little bit later. is something interesting. The All-Star Squadron issue...
1: Is Adrian Gonzalez and Jerry Ordway.
2: And it's... The pages are gorgeous. Jerry
1: Ordway and All-Star Squadron is a magic combination.
2: I mean, it's where he, it's where he belongs. He should be living there. Yeah. He's uh, so, really the
1: perfect guy for that book.
2: So, I mean, I will, uh, I'll come out and say I think the, I think the All-Star, comic, All-Star Squadron comic uh, interiors are probably stronger than the JLA interiors. Uh, although, yeah. I think Don Heck did some of his better work in the JLA. I've seen some Don Heck that I've been like, eh. But he did, a, I think, a, a really, really impressive job on his uh, JLA issues as far as compared to what he's done on other stuff.
1: Uh, I mean, the sheer amount of stuff they cram into these issues, both visually and plot-wise, is pretty staggering. I mean, if they tried to do this plot in, in today's comics, this would be three years. Oh, yeah. This, this, You know what I mean? Like, this would not be five issues over two titles. This would be a three-year-long event.
2: I mean, this was truly epic. I mean, just as I described, all the different time periods. And then, without even getting into the more detail of it, but there's also alternate time periods. Like <laughs> Earth-2, 1982, so modern day at that point, Earth-2, at one point is devastated by a nuclear war. And you know, there's mutants living there and stuff. So, I mean, it's, there's, not just the altern- there's not just different Earths and different timelines uh, or time periods. There's also timelines. So it's, there's a lot going on. The crux of the story, where this gets into, is in the All-Star Squadron where Perdegaton goes to Earth Prime, goes to 1962 during the, uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis, and steals all the nuclear missiles from Cuba. <laughs> that, he gets the crime syndicate to help him. But that's where the crux of this whole thing comes from. That's where we really get to the meat of the story. He goes to Earth Prime, they steal all the missiles, they take them to Earth 2, and he threatens Earth 2. Because the majority of the story takes place during World War Two on Earth Two, that's 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 the majority of the story where it takes place. So, in, in the All Star Squadron issue, steals the missiles, takes them to 1942 with the Crime Syndicate, and that's where the blackmail starts. Um, real quick,
1: it's. I mean, I should mention. Um, I shouldn't. never should mention, but I will mention. Um, this was a this was a storyline that came out right around uh, when I was, uh, said I was uh, like 10 years old or 11, and um, uh, this was, they, this came out in the summer. First of all, perfect timing. These books came out in like July and August, so they're like perfect summer comics reading, and uh, I read, a bunch of them came out right around the time uh, that my family took our yearly trip to the Poconos, our cabin in the Poconos, where I've mentioned before in 57 episodes, where I would bring about approximately 10,000 comics read, to read with me. And because of just the weird timing of these books, I think I managed to bring four of them with me, four chapters of the book all at the same time, which was an amazing way to read it, to, to read so much of it in one dose because, it was I said, it was a heady story. So I, I can remember literally sitting on the porch of our cabin in the Poconos reading these issues. And so that was, like, I'll never be able to separate that experience from these, from these books because they were... It was just so... The, it was such a huge story and so much to comprehend and it was just... So much fun getting to read so much of it all in one shot,
2: and and that, and that is a, that's a fun thing. I like those kind of memories where you get to have a cluster of the stories all happen at one time, and where you read them. That's great because uh, I don't really want to keep going back and forth with all the different Earths. The end result is Predigaton blackmails Earth Two, and the Justice Society, the, All-Star, the All Stars, the Justice Society of 1982, the All Star Squadron of 1942, and the Justice League of America from 1982 all team up. They they then split into teams, very clever, cool teams where you've got one member of each team all hanging out together, which is kind of fun. And they go, they find the missiles. There's a bunch of series of adventures, and then Zatanna, Green Lantern, pretty much save the day um, after they've done, you know, after they've defeated pretty much every possible thing that Protegon had planned. You know, Green Lantern, Zatanna, and Firebrand go back, they change history that was changed once before, so in the end, the whole thing never happened.
1: Which I normally don't like in these stories. I just feel like that's a cop-out. I guess you had to have done it because of the sheer monumental events there. I mean, in this story, you've got Superman and Zatanna and Firestorm and Aquaman and, and FDR meeting, uh, and, and Hawkman meeting Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> and so, um, as much as uh, I love that idea, you really kind of can't keep that in people's
2: memory. Well, they they also completely destroyed Earth Prime, you know, yeah. in, in a nuclear war. Then Earth Two was a fascist state in, in present day, 1982, controlled by Predegaton. So obviously, and also that's actually a hallmark of Degaton stories, where all of history is reversed and it never happened, and Predegaton goes back to being a, a mealy little lab assistant. I mean, that, that's kind of the shtick, how every Degaton story ends, yeah. and no one remembers, you know, and, and there's, always, there's always some kind of gag. Somebody goes like, I feel like there's something I'm forgetting, or, you know, or whatever. And there, sure enough, there isn't this one. Which I have to point out, just so how... We're going to do a dramatic reading here. The last two pages of the crossover. It's Firestorm and... Oh, that's right. Power Girl, baby. Mm Mm-hmm. Firestorm says, Hey, lady, I've been trying to get you alone all evening. She says, I'm sorry, Firestorm. Guess I'm just not in a party mood. It's the weirdest thing. But I feel as if we've narrowly escaped some fantastic tragedy. That's crazy, isn't it? Of course it is. But even so, put your arms around me, Firestorm. I need some holes. <laughs> I
1: tell you, man, my boy's got game. I have to say, that's a good way to go out. You know, that's a good... Any, you, anytime you're ending a world-saving adventure score with Power Girl, like, that's a good day. Man. I got to beat FDR, <laughs> save the, the world from the uh, nuclear destruction, and I'm getting some action with Power Girl. That's... <laughs> Hells to the
2: yeah. <laughs> I love her hair, too. It's, she's got that total 70s, you know, late 70s, early 80s, where it, it, it's, it's sort of off the shoulder but not too short. And it's all flipped up. You know, it's, it mm-hmm. looks like the girl from that 70s show. But um, <laughs> it cracks my ass up. I just think it's hilarious. So I guess to give you my overall opinion of the story, when I read it, when I was younger, it was like the greatest thing I'd ever read. Reading it now with a lot of hindsight, uh, if you contextualize it, it's still very enjoyable. And yeah. by contextualizing, I mean you got to put it in context. You got to you got to put on your Bronze Age superhero hat. <laughs>
1: well, I mean seriously, <laughs> oh, you no, gotta, it fits very snugly.
2: Right, <laughs> well it does for us. But you can't wear that same. You can't wear your modern new fifty-two kind of hat. And how you comics <laughs> you nowadays. Kid, you
1: kids with your two ninety nine price tags and your right. it's, it's 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 nice characters jumping out of airplanes. and
2: <laughs> I just mean if you were to read it through a modern day lens, you wouldn't enjoy these. I really don't think you would. No. But if, this... but if you understand the way Bronze Age comics were paced, what they were trying to achieve, um, the way stories were told back then, I think they're still very enjoyable. I loved when they split everybody up into teams, which is a total classic JSA and eventually JLA move, where they would split people up into teams, and they'd go on their individual missions. Um, things like that. I mean, just great nods to either the, you know, the Golden Age or even you know other stuff that was going on in the Bronze Age. So. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, uh, I guess that's a perfect time to mention one of my favorite moments from this whole storyline is in All-Star Squadron number 15, and the team-up is... Um, Starman, Liberty Bell, and Aquaman, and they are headed to an island in the south, uh, a couple oh, miles yeah. south of Japan. And Aquaman splits off uh, to go investigate, while Starman and uh, Liberty Bell uh, make their way to this missile silo. And they run afoul of the crime syndicate member Superwoman, who is basically, you know, Wonder Woman with Superman's powers. And of course, you know, she makes pretty quick work of Starman and Liberty Bell. I mean, that's really not all that fearsome a foe and then just as it looks things are things are looking bad uh, there's a rumble and a giant wave of water comes pouring into the side of this missile silo and liberty bell has a line of dialogue saying um well starman says good old aquaman he came through and liberty bell says i didn't dream he had enough sheer power to rip open the whole side of an island and send the half of the pacific ocean pouring in And then they cut to this great shot of, drawn by, again, um, Adrian Gonzalez and Jerry Ordway, of Aquaman uh, standing astride a whale, uh, two whales, as they come pouring in. And he says, far from it, Liberty Bell. That's why it was handy to spot a couple of 20-ton blue whales I could talk into helping me once I figured out what was going on. It's their planet, too, you know. And even though like in some ways it kind of undercuts Aquaman because right there you're having like, oh, I didn't know he was that powerful, and then here he is saying, well, I'm not. Um, (laughs) It's still an impressive moment. First of all, he gets to save the day, which was, you know, pretty rare. Um, And just that panel, the way uh, Gonzalez and Orgway pulled off is is beautiful. I mean, he just looks fantastic. And you know what? It doesn't matter that he doesn't have enough power to rip uh, the side of an island open. He has the ability to summon the power. To exactly. the side of an island, so it was it was it's one of my all time favorite Aquaman moments uh, period just in any comic ever, so uh, I have to thank uh, Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway for that because it's a you know it's it's just a great great sequence
2: and you really get the sense of the power there I mean when you're reading it, I remember you know it wasn't just the dialogue but also the art it just you really felt like you know there was some serious shredding and damage going on here, and then the shot where he's coming on the whales is just it takes up the majority of the page. It's not quite a full page splash, but it's you know, you know two thirds of the page. It's really impressive. So it's uh, it's a cool cool moment. I, I did like. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not. You probably have it in your 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 yellow glove um, segment on on the blog. But he died when Aquaman. Yes, leaves. the yellow glove. Yeah, when he leaves Starman in and, and, and Liberty Bell, he's there's a panel where he's diving in It even goes to the so called Briny Deep, but he's wearing the yellow gloves. Yeah. Like, well, he's on Earth too, so okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he accessorizes. <laughs> right. He dresses for the occasion.
1: Well it's funny you mentioned in that panel, I mean that page, um, Liberty Bell even mentions um that there are that they've heard about that there's an Aquaman on their earth as well. And then they get distracted with something else. And in mm-hmm. fact, I just made that a random panel on the Shrine a couple of days ago. And I think um, – I'd have to go back and check. But I think that may might be the first time they ever really acknowledged that there was a Golden Age Aquaman on Earth 2. You know what I mean? Like they, mm. they, sort mm-hmm. of just, they sort of just forgot about that character. Um, after they switched over in the 50s, after they switched over from the Golden Age origin of Aquaman to the Silver Age origin of Aquaman, they sort of just forgot about the original one. Other than sure. a, a, a one-off reprint in a in a reprint title that the DC had in the early seventies called Secret Origins, um, they really just completely forgot about him. He never appeared in JLA. He never so that was mo- it. Might be the first modern mention of the idea that no, there was a, an Earth Two Aquaman because he was from the 40s. So I, if that was the first mention, we have Roy Thomas to thank for that. <laughs>
2: Uh, two other things I want to mention in this. Uh, I don't know if you picked up on this, but the, the as we mentioned, the Justice League issues are drawn by uh, Don Heck. And um, in this part three, you get a lot of shots of the All-Star Squadron running around with the JLA, drawn by Don Heck. So you get Steel, the indestructible man, running around on the pages of JLA, drawn by Don Heck, the man who drew... The original Steel series.
1: That's right. And you would think yeah. that uh, not, too, and not too many years later, Aquaman would, of course, be in the Justice League with Steel's grandson. That's true. The, the second Steel.
2: But it's just kind of neat to see Jerry Conway and Don Heck working on Steel again together. Yeah, they're, absolutely. They, they're the writer and artist that created Steel. Yes. So that was <laughs> there- kind of cool.
1: Um, there's, I have to mention this before I forget it. There is a, a, a moment I, I love in this book, and it's a firestorm moment. I if it's from issue, th- it's from book three, which is JLA 208, where they get the um, the JLA gets their first view of Per Degaton mm-hmm. uh, via a, a, a video transmitted image, and uh, Aquaman says, um, "Well, first of all, Robo Man is asking who is that," and Aquaman says, "It's the man whose statue we saw on on in 1982 on Earth 2. Zatanna says, "We were right." Liberty Bell. Something about him seems so familiar. Firestorm. He's a nutcase, Liberty Bell. All nutcases look alike. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know Ronnie Raymond practiced phrenology and that you could sort of, you know, people's brain, uh, people's um, skull shapes determine their personalities. (laughs) I, He's right. They all do look a lot. I think if uh, <laughs> I think if uh, I think if uh, Martin Stein had been in that panel, he would have been like, "Oh, Ronald." <laughs> not we, are, you we,
2: are we are seriously lacking some uh, Martin Stein uh, voice of reasons in in here, but that's yeah. okay. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's too much else going on. That, that would have just confused people. Speaking of confusing, you know, the one thing I had trouble reconciling was the scenes where Skeletor is attacking. Why you didn't actually see Skeletor working hand in hand with Predigaton? You know, Skeletor? Yeah, you know. I mean, I'm looking right here in 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 book three. <laughs> Skeletor's fighting Superman,
1: right? Oh and, shag! I okay. I think I need to explain to you. Um, what? That, that's a separate comic book. What that was put inside the? That is a free preview of the. Uh, big hit, Masters of the Universe. Uh, <laughs> uh, that DC had the rights to the Masters of the Universe comic book, and they gave you a free gift, which is a 16-page preview of the Masters of the Universe comic book, inserted in the middle of the comic. It's meant to be a complete, completely separate storyline. I know you're saying you maybe got confused.
2: I wondered why we didn't see, you know, Beastmaster, or I mean, uh, Beastman, or Zodiac,
1: <laughs> or Man Teaming at Arms, up. or what, right, whatever, uh, that cat okay. was. It was, I have to mention, that was written by a uh, friend of the Shrine, uh, Paul Kupperberg. Oh, really? Yes, it was. Oh. He, uh, he, I
2: actually, I'll be honest, I skipped over it in this rereading because I've read it before. Yes, so.
1: he told me that his, his he always wanted to write an Aquaman versus Merman comic, but he never got the chance.
2: <laughs> that would be so cool. I do like how Prince Adam shows up, and he's like a total player. He's got, you know, two <laughs> Two teenage girls hanging off of him with like you know, his bare chest showing I'm like, that's not how they portrayed Prince Adam on the cartoon. <laughs> he was a little light in his loafers in the cartoon. Oh my. Well, I'm just saying, they the boy wore pink and like had a lisp and stuff. It wasn't it wasn't pretty for the kids. Don't be so anyway. Poetic. So anyway, you were gonna say.
1: Um what was I also gonna say? Oh, well, one of the other things I loved about this this whole series is because um as as I've mentioned before and and uh Previous episodes and other things. Um, I am a huge aficionado of 30s and 40s culture, and I mean, Roy the, the All Star Squadron is just steeped in it because, of course, it's, that's when it's set. But I mean, Roy Thomas took it upon himself to like really insert the All Star Squadron, particularly into real world events, and I got such a kick out of that because I felt like I was learning stuff, even though you know you shouldn't take any history lessons out of a comic book. Um, you know, Roy did kind of go out of his way to make sure he got things like as correct as possible, and he would like even annotate some things on the letters pages. So, like mm-hmm. these these stories that are so sort of seeped in this culture, um, I always appreciate it. And you know, um, I am an unabashed, unironic fan of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, I have read so many books about him, and I am just like completely, sort of like have a total man crush on. FDR <laughs> and um, just the idea of like your favorite heroes getting to go back and hang out with FDR, like that, that's just the coolest thing to me. I was fortunate enough to interview someone once who actually um, had dinner with FDR um, oh. and like I just couldn't – once that person told me that he had dinner with FDR, that's all I wanted to talk about. <laughs> you know, I was <laughs> just like, well, wait a minute. I mean I just couldn't believe that I was basically one Kevin Bacon step away From Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I just couldn't, you know, I just couldn't believe it. Um, To this day, I mean, my father was alive during – well, my father is still alive, thank God. But my father was alive during FDR's presidency, and he was old enough to remember FDR's presidency. And, like, I still can't, like, reconcile that because FDR seems like this towering figure of history. Um, And it's hard for me to reconcile that, like, my dad was alive during – FDR's time, it just seemed, you know what I mean? It just seems like well, when mm-hmm. that's real. FDR is this sort of like construct, this giant thing out of history. Um,
2: well, he, he's like a George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. He's an icon, oh, good but Lord, not, yeah. but not something you could get close to.
1: Yes, that's a, that's a great way of putting it. Um, so uh, it was just, I just love the idea of having these heroes interact. And there's even a moment where Zatanna pauses to herself and and just finds this man hypnotic. She's just like, I cannot believe I'm in this room. With Franco Delano Roosevelt, the guy is everything that the history books say he is, and that's that's a great moment because when you think about all the crazy crap Z, Z has seen over the years, <laughs> you know you think nothing would would phase her, but that just the fact that they took the time to do that little moment, um, I really appreciate it, and it's it's one of my favorite little character beats in a, in a in a book that is bursting to the staples with plot. Um, oh, yeah. the fact that they took the time to do those little character beats. Uh, like the thing with at the end with Power Girl and Firestorm that uh, that Shag mentioned, and then the the, the the bit with Aquaman and the whale, just all those little moments. Um, there's it's it really is like a a, a a great primer of superhero comic book storytelling, and then it's got this incredibly outlandish plot, uh, but yet still had time for these wonderful character moments. And and to me, it's in a lot of ways, it's like you know, the, it gives you like it's like a complete superhero meal. You know, it just gives yeah. you all the little bits that you would that you would want out of a, a multi-arc superhero story. And, and it's got, you know, characters up the wazoo, so. I mean,
2: yeah, I mentioned there's three teams. Really, if you look at it, there's four teams. Because you get, again, the JLA, you get the JSA, you get the All-Star Squadron, and you get the Crime Syndicate, because they're featured very heavily throughout the whole thing. So you've really got four different, you know, brightly colored teams going at it.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, if you are a fan of the JSA and you are not somebody who's been reading comics a long time I would highly recommend All-Star Stra- All All-Star Squadron it, it it's probably the best untapped JSA comic out there for you yes it's it, it's a great comic from start to finish you get a lot of JSA characters you get a lot of JSA moments um <sighs> such a good comic, man. It, oh. is,
1: it is on my list of things to create blogs about.
2: <laughs> yeah, I totally, like, you know, I, when, when my friends over at Two True Freaks started this J, Tales of the JSA podcast, truthfully, the whole point of it was to do an All-Star Squadron podcast. And I was so <laughs> jealous. Secretly, I, I hate them both. Uh, because I'm not part of that on a regular basis. You know, I'm just saying I'm a little bitter. But it, it's such a good comic. It really is. And I like what you mentioned about the history lessons, because quite honestly... Being as young as I was when I read these, this was probably the first time I was exposed to um, the Cuban Missile Crisis. I bet it was.
1: Yeah, I you think about it, it probably was from me too, as far as I know. I mean, I, I don't remember it, but yeah. It, yeah, I mean, as like said, Thomas did make the effort to get those things as right as possible. And I remember even on the letters pages, people would sometimes say, hey, you know what? You got this a little wrong. And he would generally, if he was wrong, he'd own up to it. He'd say, oh, you know what? I misled this out or whatever. Um Yeah, it's, it's, you know, he did his due diligence in terms of making it as accurate as possible as much as you can when you're inserting custom superheroes into it.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. One random little note I have here. It's kind of funny to me. As I was reading this, and this doesn't happen to me in comics normally, but every time Superman showed up, I kept hearing the voice actor from Super Friends in my head. You know, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. I'm totally blanking on it. But anyway...
1: I, I which one? Well, there's a couple different ones. I think it's... I think, was it Olan Sewell? Is that the guy? I, I, think that was, I think he was Superman.
2: There's, there's like, a main guy who did Superman, like, through... The or Xana Danny
1: Jane. Dark. It might be Danny, it, Danny, Danny Dark. That's it. Danny Dark. Thank
2: you. Yes. I keep hearing Danny Dark in my head.
1: Coolest name in history, by the way. I mean, not only does he have an incredibly cool job on the voice of Superman, but... His name is Danny Dar. I mean, it's a superhero name, for God's sakes.
2: <laughs> or supervillain. But so I mean that kind of rounds out my coverage of this. It, it's a great comic. It's still fun. You need to read it with Bronze Age filters on. Uh, and if you can do that, I think it's a blast. You know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It said it's 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 got, you know, it's got all the little characters got some great moments. There's there's some definite um, humor to it. I mean, there's a part in in part two, where of course, or actually part three, where the JLA and the All-Star Squadron, once they run into one another, run into one, one, run into one another for the first time, um, do as most superheroes do, is they start to fight. And uh, <laughs> after a couple of quick punches back and forth, they start to march towards one another. And Superman just gets sick of it all and yells "No!" at the top of his lungs. <laughs>
2: And his super shout powers too. super shout
1: powers. It's like a great moment where Superman's sort of like having to school his other heroes like you bunch of children knock it off. <laughs> 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 um yeah, and he said it's I read I just read these these issues over again before in anticipation of this podcast, which is the most amount of research I'm going to do. And uh he, you know, even though um you know, I like to think of myself as smarter than I uh, was when I was 15, I still was like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like, I'm trying to follow this plot, and at a certain point it doesn't matter. It's just like, you know what, we're here, now we're there. Um, the, the, again, the jokes are pretty funny, there's a great aside. Um, at one point, per Degaton is doing some giant speech about how he's going to rule the world, and you actually have a um, a little moment in the Background, where two of his <laughs> two of his henchmen are goofing on him. <laughs> right, absolutely. they You think he's crazy? No, he's just passionate. He's just passionate. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a great. That's like a great little detail. Like these, you know. Um, one other thing uh, I did want to mention is, um, uh, for people that aren't familiar with the Crime Syndicate, the punishment that the JLA and the JSA uh, meted out to the Crime Syndicate was they put them in another dimension, interdimensional limbo, where they will never age. And so they put them in this sort of like stasis bubble and it's there's this cool thing where they're um, it's written in all different languages like don't come near this bubble, don't free these people. you know it's like no matter what they say, don't for don't give them candy, don't let them go <laughs> and, But the funny thing is every time they would show those and every so like every so often uh, I think they would like an artist would work them into like a random panel. If, if mm-hmm. any time, and it wouldn't have to be connected to the crime syndicate, but sometimes they would have a story where some superheroes in another in another dimension, and you would see the crime syndicate still sitting there, like a decade later, just sitting in this bubble, and like the heroes gave them nothing to do, they're just right. sitting in this bubble, just staring at one another, essentially for eternity, and not to be like too you know like base, but when I was a kid, I was like, well, what do they do for food?
2: There's no bathroom. There's
1: no bathroom. I, like, what I, are they? Like, what I, are they doing? And it—it well, it, it seemed like a hellish punishment to just basically be imprisoned in perpetuity, and just sit there. You know, I mean, it's just like and wow. it make it worse.
2: You know, the crime syndicate aren't exactly nice people, and, and they don't get along and like each other either. So it's not like you're being trapped with your friends. You're being trapped with really horrible people.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was another great moment is that they, 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 they snipe at one another all the time, which is great. You always feel like there's going to be a fight breakout at any moment between them four. And if I was Superwoman, I would be a little concerned with these being trapped in a jail cell with four complete sociopaths.
2: <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> Although I have to say, I, I've never really thought much of Superwoman. But I'm looking closer at this George Perez cover. She's pretty hot, man. Well, George Perez certainly
1: knew, knew a thing or two about how to draw a alluring woman?
2: I think he does.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I was just saying the Doctor Fate helmets on these covers are so gorgeous. I don't know if I've. I think I've told you. I'm a huge Doctor Fate fan.
1: Oh yeah, me too. One of the one of the most visually compelling characters in the DCU is that helmet. Just That, that look.
2: It's so cool.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great it's a great story, <laughs> and um, I don't think it's ever it's certainly never been collected anywhere. Um, there might. Um,
2: it's not in one of the uh, the the JLA JSA
1: trade paperbacks they've been doing. You know, I don't know whether it is or not. I doubt it, just because then they would have had to include the All Star Squadron. And then that gets—that's like a huge chunk of your book. But I don't know—I um, don't know if whether it's ever been collected. But but even if it has been, you can get these issues for virtually pennies on the dollar. I mean, they're not—they're not so
2: true. They're right? not
1: value, you know know—they're not valuable by any sort of monetary standard. So if you ever see them at a comic con, uh, we definitely suggest uh, picking them up because they are a blast. And again, they've got you know Aquaman and Firestorm, so they—they're right in our wheelhouse. Um and the the character combos are, are interesting and, and diverse and uh you know, you learn a little about learn a little bit about history, you get some great artwork, uh you uh span several different time periods, you've got sort of twenty ongoing characters at any given point. <laughs> so it's it's pretty amazing and it's it's and it's 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 comic book storytelling that isn't done anymore because um that if, if they did this today, this would be a five, three to four year event. Yeah, uh, you know.
2: So it, there'd be the main JLA book, then there'd be a mini series running alongside yeah. of it, and I mean, then you'd have the JSA book, the and...
1: backstory of Per Degaton. I mean, it would just be amazing. So uh, yep. um, So these are, these the are way, great books.
2: This has not been reprinted. Uh, Crisis on Multiple Earths, which is the series of trade paperbacks which reprints the JLA, JSA team ups, has not gotten that far. They've gotten up to volume five. Um, but they have not, which uh, covers, uh, I think the crossover right before this one, the one where they're fighting the new gods. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, if they do a volume six, it'll be in there, but otherwise you can like, uh, yeah, the other guy in the show, I don't remember his name, uh, said you can pick them up dirt cheap and, uh, enjoy them.
1: Yeah, they are. They are a lot of fun.
2: Rob, that's his name.
1: Rob. Uh, thank you, yes. Uh, I didn't want to say it over the air. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's going to end the first half of the show. I uh, hope you enjoyed the look back. Uh, when, uh, when you come back, we are going to talk about some of our uh, favorite superhero-related blogs and some pals of ours. Um, in the meantime, uh, enjoy this musical interlude, and we'll be right back. Call the roll.
0: Call
3: the roll. Call the roll, call the roll, call the roll. On the road of the Justice League of America, Superman here, Aquaman here, Wonder Woman here, Flash here, Metamorphos here, Plastic Man here, and Batman here. Yeah, here, here they come. come. Hey, look out, John. It's the Justice League. Justice League. Superheroes all always on the ball. It's the Justice League. The Justice League. takes big trouble with a capital B. A super colossal calamity. A tremendous stupendous catastrophe. To bring them all out swinging. And when they're swinging, man they're bringing big trouble with a capital T. Hey, do they put on a show Anywhere the four winds blow When they get the call Watch them go The Justice League Yeah, the Justice League hold oh, the Justice League Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our regular program to bring you a special broadcast direct from the secret sanctuary of the Justice League of America. Addressing the council at this emergency meeting is Superman. Fellow members of the Justice League, the world is under attack at this very moment by the most powerful forces man has ever seen. Creatures from space, monsters from the depths of the earth, and criminals operating right within our cities, and they must be destroyed... Before they destroy the world, Operation Lifesaver is in effect as of right now. Are you ready? Yeah! Are you with it? Yeah! Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on!
0: Hang on! Hang on! The Justice
3: League is coming! Here we come, hey look out chum It's the Justice League, the Justice League Superheroes all always on the ball It's the Justice League, the Justice League There's big trouble with the capital B A super colossal calamity A tremendous, stupendous catastrophe And here we come out swinging And when we're swinging, man, we're ringing Big trouble with on a show, anywhere the four winds blow. When we get the call, watch us go. The Justice League. Yeah, the Justice League. Oh,
1: the Justice League. That's the Justice League. Welcome back to the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, Thank you for listening to part one, which is our look back at the Crisis on Earth Prime uh, crossover, and then part two of the show, we're going to talk about some of our uh, favorite superhero and comic book-related blogs. So, uh, Shag, why don't you take it away?
2: Sure. We just kind of figured we're doing sort of a JLA-themed episode, and uh, we've... You know, if you follow Firestorm Fan and Aquaman Shrine, you've seen some of these crossovers we've done. You know, in the spirit of the comics where the heroes get together, we've actually done the same thing with our blogs, where we've done, like, one time we covered the Superpowers action figure line, or actually, specifically the mini comics that came with it. And 14 different blogs all came together that day and covered the same topic from their own angles. Uh, we've done it with other, the DC Challenge, we've done it with, um, Oh gosh, a number of different things. So we thought about, like, you know, what, let's give a shout out to all our buddies that are part of this sort of unofficial JLA blogger blogosphere, and, and then there's a few other ones we wanted to mention just because you know they're cool superhero type blogs. So I'm just going to start going down the list in no particular order, uh, and you know, Rob will chime in with whatever his nonsense is. So going to start off by giving and a it shout will be out. nonsense. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt about that. So. Uh, start off with Power of the Atom. This is a blog that features the Atom, uh, any incarnation, and Captain Atom. And this is run by our good buddy Frank. And you're going to hear Frank's name a lot in the next little bit, because Frank runs more blogs than I think is legally allowed. I think he has some subsidiary that he runs some of them through. Just to, it, it is you know, actually to... legally.
1: illegal. It's part of the Patriot Act.
2: Oh, okay. I thought he was laundering some of his blogs just to, you know, keep it under the table. But uh, it was originally started by another gentleman by the name of Damien uh, that some some of the bloggers knew, and he moved on to other things. And ro- I'm sorry, Frank picked up the ball and ran with it. You can find that at themightymite.blogspot.com. And by the way, uh, all of these blogs I'm mentioning, if you want to find them and you don't want to jot down the URL because you're probably driving a car, and now you're reaching for a pen and it paper, you're going to hit a lamppost, It's all my fault. Uh, instead, go to Firestorm Fan. Dot com and in the right-hand sidebar there are a series of links. Most of them under the superhero, other superhero sites, they're all linked there, uh, and, and so that's that's your a place to jump off from. Uh, there's a Batman blog. It's, it's very popular Batman blog run by a nice gentleman by the name of Tommy, Tommy called Bat-Blog.com. This guy posts an insane amount of Batman stuff. I didn't think anyone could really ever run a Sufficient Batman blow?
1: No, I mean that's right. I mean, I find like doing the Aquaman one is tough enough, let alone uh, Batman.
2: But he does a great job, and and he's always building new graphics and all kinds of stuff. So it's it's a fun one, and um, it's yeah, they get a, a zillion hits because it's Batman. Everyone loves Batman, and a great place to get your daily bat fix. So, Booster Gold. Uh, (laughs) I love Booster Gold. He cracks me up. There's a great guy named Walter who has taken on the challenge of running a Booster Gold blog. And uh, he does some really interesting stuff where he focuses on sales figures. And he's got an incredible database of Booster Gold information. And that's at Boosterific.com. What an awesome name. Boosterific.com. Frank... you know, uh, let's just run through Franks, actually. Maybe that's probably the better way to go. <laughs>
1: oh, here we go. Now, Hour three of the podcast.
2: Right. <laughs> we've, we've talked several times about his Martian Manhunter blog, which is called The Idle Head of um, Diagonese. And um, <laughs> the URL for that is idle-head.blogspot.com. And... Uh, Great, best possible place for Martian Manhunter information, and, and again, it, it was one of the inspirations for me to create Firestorm fan. That and uh, Robert at Aquaman Shrine, uh, Keith that ran the Firestorm site years ago, and of course, Kelson does Speed Force. Sorry, I just want to make sure I mention all four of those, the, my progenitors, if you will. But uh, so Ooh, Frank runs Mars. That just sounds wrong. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's life. Martian Manhunter blog. Then, if you are a Justice League fan, you've got to go visit Frank's Justice League Detroit blog. Let me tell you, JLD represents, folks, <laughs> Vixen, Vibe, Steel, Gypsy,
1: Hells, you yeah. No, you can't really say those names with that dramatic rating. I'm sorry. Gypsy. Okay, Gypsy. Yeah, okay. Vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not all that exciting. Love it. Not all that oh. exciting.
2: Uh, that's at justiceleaguedetroit.blogspot.com. Uh, he runs a Wonder Woman blog called Wonder Woman, the, or, I'm sorry, Diana Prince, the new Wonder Woman. Um.
1: Another character that you just can't, just, the topic is so monstrously huge.
2: Well, I love how he sort of, I mean, he covers all, all aspects of Wonder Woman, but I like how he branded it, uh, as like the 70s, you know, white pantsuit wonder woman initially so that cracked me up but that's new hyphen wonder hyphen new hyphen wonder hyphen woman hyphen uh,
1: no no hyphen
2: (laughs) dot hyphen what dot blogspot.com um and then i think i'm getting down to his last one which i wanted to make sure to do this in order his final one is called DC Bloodlines. You may remember there was a 1990s miniseries uh, summer annual crossover called Bloodlines, which was really terrible. I'm sorry, it was <laughs> it was bad. It it does not hold up. But anyway, it is not a blog about the Bloodlines crossover. Thank God it for is, that. It is a blog about basically because Frank can't possibly contain himself amongst the other 50 blogs he's got. He's got to have a catch-all, and that's where he does. Bloodlines, and he'll talk about maybe Suicide Squad or Captain Marvel or whatever whatever he wants you know wants to talk about at that point. So that's DCBloodlines.blogspot.com, and he does a really nice recap there of like if you want to get a snapshot of what all the the, the comic blogosphere are talking about, he does these great posts where he talks about. You know, this was on Aquaman Shrine this week. This was on Firestorm Fan this week. This was on this other site this week. And it just gives you quick, you know, links to everything. It's, just, it's a great one-stop shop. So, uh,
1: Doom like Patrol. A, it's like a talk soup version of a blog kind of. just like rounds uh, everything up.
2: That's a good point. There you go. Doom Patrol, my greatest adventure number 80. This is by our good friend, Doug Z, whose last name is an eternal mystery. And he, he writes for Comic Book Resources and has his own video show. He, great guy. He, he, this one's not updated as frequently as uh, maybe all the others, but the, the, when he's there and the content is great, he, know, he, know, he gets in touch with the writers and artists and interviews them. So, and he's got a great sense of humor. That's at mygreatestadventure80.blogspot.com. Got to mention, uh, one of my personal favorites is Speed Force. Kelson does an amazing job keeping up with the Flash. I mean, not only is there so much content out there, the
1: guy's really fast. I
2: mean, you know, it's
1: hard to keep up with.
2: That's that's humor, folks. That's a laugh
1: right there. I'll I'll put in a marker that indicates the humor.
2: Right. It's kind of like holding up the applause sign.
1: Yeah. So people know when they on their i on their iPhones, oh, this is the humor part.
2: (laughs) Uh, That's a speedforce.org, and you know, I I want to give a shout out because I mean, truthfully, when these crossovers come to be that we do it's usually Rob myself Frank and Kelson is sort of like the core people driving the crossovers so I don't want Kelson to feel left out because we don't actually mention that often on the show here Um, you probably didn't listen anyway jerk Um, he's off of California being all hippie or whatever can
1: barely record through the tears
2: (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no he's been been instrumental in a number of our crossovers and uh, he's just a great guy there's a fairly new air blogger out there. We've talked about him on previous episodes. This is your buddy, right? Uh, the Green Arrow, the Arrow Cave.
1: Yes, uh, my, my my buddy Aaron Bias, uh, who write who does the Arrow Cave blog, which is located at TrickArrows.blogspot.com. Um, uh, his uh, Aaron, he hasn't. I, I hate to say this, he hasn't updated it <laughs> in like about a week and a half, which is Maybe this will guilt him into uh, updating it more often, Um, but but if you can get past the spotty posting, (laughs) um, it's still a lot of fun. He has um, more fun Mondays, which is uh, you know looks at every Monday he looks at an issue of More Fun Comics, and um, he definitely comes at it from a a more um, humor centric sort of perspective, which I enjoy. I, I Aaron's Aaron's another one of these guys that. Crank[s] out all sorts of blogs. I think he gets like a random ID and he puts up a blog about it the next day. Um, so there's a lot of fun there. It's there's there's two Green Arrow blogs. There's the other one, which is um, oh I'm blanking out. What's the other?
2: It's, it, it's Dispatches from the Arrow. Dispatchers Cave. Dispatches
1: from the Arrow Cave.
2: Which now that one's it, it's currently it's still out there, but it's it's on indefinite hiatus. Yeah, and has been yeah. for a long time. Uh, that's the ArrowCave.blogspot.com. And uh, that's a buddy of mine, actually. Um, his name's Adam, and I've actually hung out with him a few times at DragonCon. Super nice guy. Great guy. And uh, he just, you know, he's got other things going on in his life right now.
1: I think there's something about Green Arrow's hippie-ish ways that just doesn't lend itself to regular posting. Hey, man, I'll <laughs> post the blog when I feel like it. Well, I just you know and part of the reason I
2: wanted to go through this too because you know as someone's listening to this podcast, they might be like
1: you know Aquaman
2: Firestorm they're cool I mean not Aquaman but Firestorm's cool you know whatever but you know my guy my guy's really Green Arrow you know or my guy's really Vibe or you know whatever and so well no well by, by telling people about these blogs it might help them find you know a, a home for them you know where they still I, listen to our podcast better
1: if you find a vibe a blog please send us the link because <laughs> that will truly be the end of the internet.
2: Did I did I ever tell you about uh, our April Fools joke we did a couple years ago? We did a blog crossover on April Fools Day and it was right it was right as Flash Rebirth number 1 was about to come out. And we did all these fake press releases and stuff, and, and interviews of Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Sciver announcing Vibe Rebirth. <laughs> and uh, we had artwork, we had interviews. It was great. It was it was pretty elaborate. It was on several different places, and, and Jeff Johns uh, even commented uh, about it. So um, he just he was like, "Haha, no." But
0: <laughs>
2: so,
1: but you know, New Fifty Two, anything could happen. Some of, these, a, some of those titles have got to get canceled eventually. Exactly. Make way for Vibe uh, and his brother
2: Reverb. If you, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I am Justice League Detroit representing. I love them. So, all right. Uh, if you're a Green Lantern li- uh, fan, there's a really and the cool movie hasn't dampened your enthusiasm. <laughs> there's a great blog uh, called The Indigo Tribe. This is by uh, a buddy of mine named Liquid Cross. And he's, I mean, there's a lot of Green Lantern stuff out there. And he he focuses primarily on reviewing the comics. And uh, it really just does a really nice job with reviews, because that's that's one area I've always felt a weakness that I don't do. Clearly, by the first half of this episode, I don't do very coherent, well-put-together reviews. Uh, Liquid Cross is very good at it. You
1: really should not have uh, taken that mescaline before you started the podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You can find him at indigotribe.wordpress.com. Then, uh, often mentioned, never heard here yet, uh, Luke Giaconetti.
1: Jacanetti.
2: He, uh, he <laughs> runs his own blog called... you uh, out
1: of control, control. Jacanetti. I'll have your badge if you go step one toe over the line. <laughs> That's a perfect name for it. <laughs> um,
2: he runs a Hawkman blog uh, called Being Carter Hall. I absolutely love the name of that blog. Uh, being John Malkovich, if you're not familiar with the film. <laughs> that's kind of the concept. Did I tell you the story about uh, me and Jerry Conway in this? I, so no, ta- I don't think so. I'm talking to Jerry Conway, me and my buddy Mike. Oh, well, I <laughs> did we're we're just having a nice mint julep with Mr. Conway right now. We're chatting with Jerry Conway. doing an interview over pot, over Skype about it, and we're doing some questions that came in. And said, and I said, oh, this one comes from our friend Luke Giaconetti. He runs a a blog called Being Carter Hall blog, and that's you know that's dedicated to Hawkman. And and Jerry Conway goes, yes, I know that um, Carter Hall is Hawkman. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh. God, I'm such an idiot. The man wrote the JLA for how many years? <laughs> I mean, I was trying to say it for the listener at home, but it came across as if I was correct, you know, letting Jerry Conway in on a yeah. secret. By the way, Clark-, Clark Kent's really super here. <laughs> you know, I, I just felt like, I was like, God, someone help me remove this foot from my mouth. You know, Jerry,
1: the Justice League? They're in that satellite, you know, right? Uh, you ever heard of them?
2: Ray Palmer. Let me tell you about Ray Palmer. <laughs> anyway, uh, um, so. Great job covering Hawkman. Check out Being Carter Hall. It's com. Then there is the uh, – just going to run through a few more of these. Um, I, I actually don't know these folks as well, but they've been they're, super They've put their cool. checks
1: cleared, so. Right.
2: Well, they were super cool and have been involved in some of our crossovers, you know, and they're great folks and they did great coverage. The Supergirl comic box commentary, you know, if, you, if you're if you a fan of Supergirl, this is the site for you. Um, The URL is comicboxcommentary.blogspot.com. I gotta mention our friends over Girls Gone Geek. If you if you haven't visited Girls Gone Geek, you're missing it, and you're a fool. Uh, This is Erica. What's that? (laughs) Well, uh, dude, first of all, they're funny. They're excellent writers. They're hot, um, and they're friends of mine. So you know, hey. <laughs> uh, it's girls-gone-geek dot com. It's Eric and Vanessa. They are wonderful, wonderful ladies. I've uh, been friends with them for a long time. We all, we all three of us used to work together. They're they're just super cool, and I'm so proud of how far they've gone with Girls Gone Geek. I mean, they're 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 hitting, you know, they're hitting the atmosphere. They're they're superstars. I mean, they're writing for Newsarama. They're writing for CNN. They're doing awesome. So definitely check them out.
1: Yes, definitely. I agree. They're good people. That's all you got? I'm,
2: really? Wow.
1: I did, Well, I didn't want to get into the whole they're hot thing because that's a sort of sexist. So I'm just moving on.
2: Well, I tell, them, I, just, I tell them that to their face, though. It's not like it's a – Oh, so you're
1: sexist I, to their face. That's great. Oh, that's I, I
2: go, to, we go to lunch every month. They're my friends. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I'd rather go to lunch with a couple of hot girls than you. I mean, come on. Think about it. <laughs> uh, Fortress of Bailey-tude.
1: Fortress you're of bailey is –
2: Fortress of Baileytoot is run by a very good friend of mine, Michael Bailey. Uh, Who's Michael hot.
1: Bailey, <laughs> he, he's totally hot. <laughs> he runs. <laughs> I I sense a catchphrase. Oh God!
2: Anyway, he. If we're gonna do that, can we talk about cinnamon again and, and hot Haw- <laughs> Haw- girl?
1: Anyway, um, all
2: I know here. is these ladies are hot.
1: So Michael Bailey. See, I did it, 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 it as FDR. See, so it's like yeah, I got like I a couple that. things that in all good. at once.
2: Thank you. You were going to work that in soon. I mean, I'm sort of shocked we didn't get FDR in the beginnings. We were talking about <laughs> I 1942.
1: I know. It's I feel. A book. I know. I feel bad. I wanted to keep the seriousness of the topic.
2: We should have done like Zatanna, her comments about FDR in the FDR voice. <laughs> but so Michael Bailey is the podcaster Nexus of of all Nexi. He he's. Got his fingers in every podcasting pie. He really does. I mean, he's on Two True Freaks. He's got his own series of podcasts. He's doing these other things with Steve Glosson. I mean, he's everywhere. Seriously. Uh, great guy. He, he allowed me to be his semi-regular co-host on Views from the Long Box for a long time. But his blog is Fortress of Bailey, dude. It's primarily a Superman blog. Um, he does st- touch on Captain America and Hulk, which are passions of his as well. But it's primarily a Superman blog. Uh, great site. And he's a, just a great guy. Uh, it's FortressOfBailey2.com. Uh, Comics Make Me Happy is a great site. They also have participated in some of our crossovers. Um, they, I mean, they're, they're great writers and they have some fun stuff to check out. It's ComicsMakeMeHappy.blogspot.com. Siskoid's blog of geekery. I love this guy. Siskoid, he cracks me up. He's funny. He writes. The, the amount of content he produces is... Astronomical. Yeah, he he puts up a lot of posts in one thing. Yeah, and he and I, like, we're totally in sync with our interests. He's a Doctor Who fan, he's a Star Trek fan, you know, I a mean, comic book fan. I mean, just the guy is amazing, and uh, you gotta check him out. It's Siskoid, which is
1: S-I-S-K-O-I-D dot blogspot dot com. I do want to mention something about Siskoid before we get off this. Is yeah. The, uh, how much I like Siskoid's writing is that Siskoid has a regular feature. Where he just rips an issue of Batman and the Outsiders apart. Aww, <laughs> and I love that book. Growing up, I love that comic, and I still do love that comic. And yet, I still love his posts. <laughs> I still, I, I think his, his criticisms are completely like fair and reasonable. <laughs> and yet, I still love Batman and the Outsiders. So it's like I can love them both. And I think it takes skill as a writer to completely trash something that I love, and I still come back for more.
2: There you go. Like Tom versus Aquaman. <laughs>
1: so, well, he's the—that's a little there. He's not bashing Aquaman so much, but, but, but I mean, Siskoid really is bashing <laughs> I mean, panel by panel, in some cases. You know? Oh wow! Yeah. Not so real. I mean, it, it, he he really gets it with a, with a with like a jeweler's eye, you know, out there, and he puts it under a microscope or something. But that's uh, awesome. I I still enjoy it. That's because he's he's a great he's a great writer.
2: Absolutely. And again, the content he puts out—humble, just the volume of. Uh got to mention two true freaks. I've talked about them a lot, but I don't, I've never mentioned their URL because it's not straightforward. Uh, two true freaks, they produce a number of podcasts. They do a Star Wars podcast. They do a Star Trek podcast. They do comics podcasts. Um, there's other ones uh, that they produce, like Luke, 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 Jack and Natty. He's got his, uh, his Japanese monster podcast, um, Earth's Directive Destruction. I screwed it up again, I'm sure. But uh, that's, that's in that network. He's got I – mean, there's a zillion of these things in the True True Freaks podcast network. Definitely worth checking out. It's a two true That's L I B S Y N dot com. Go over there and check them out. I wanted to mention um, three more blogs that have sort of gone uh, gone fallow, but are still excellent resources. the, the content isn't it didn't isn't stale. Or, f- or not good anymore. It's just there is no new content anymore. Uh, one is it's the, the Justice League Satellite. It's a blog where this nut went through, gosh, I think it's is it every issue
1: of Justice League? Every single uh, issue of Justice League of America.
2: Okay. The original series, volume one, uh, because he didn't have the, the sack to go on to the other stuff. But anyway, <laughs> so he, uh, it was JLA Satellite.com, and that's part of. Uh, what what is is this, the Rob Kelly family of blogs? Is that what that is? Trademark. Uh, (laughs) Is it really? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's one of Rob's great blogs. He covered every issue of Justice League. So if you ever want to get a quick synopsis on a Justice League issue and you don't have time to read it, go out there to JLASatellite.com. Thank you, Shay. No problem. Uh, Another one of these fantastic blogs where this crazy dude Decided to tackle the Phantom Stranger in <laughs> chronological order, okay. Not just doing Phantom Stranger coverage, but in chronological order. I am the Phantom Stranger. It's IamthePhantomStranger.blogspot.com, and oh, you guessed it—that's right. It's another Rob Kelly blog. That
1: sounds good. I'm gonna go to that.
2: Yeah, it, it's a cool site. Actually, it's really good. I like, it's black background. He's got this awesome header. I mean, I, you really did a nice job on it. So. um you got to moderate the spam on that thing, though, man. Jeez. I know. Anyway.
1: I get, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Forget spammers. I get so but, uh, many comments on that blog from generic Viagra. Viagra. Like, what is that <laughs> about?
2: So, or if you're looking for Viagra, visit I Am the Fan <laughs> Stranger. Get some good leads. Uh, one more fallow blog, if you will, is the Red Tornado blog. It's called Red Tornado's Path. This is also by our buddy Doug. Uh, Doug's just, Doug is doing the Doom Uh, Doom Patrol blog, he's just got a lot going on so this isn't one that he's had a chance to really invest his time in. I'm sure if he was able to, he would actually wrestle the Firestorm Empire from me, because he's just about as equally a big Firestorm fan as me but I got there first, so he kind of said, "All right, well I'll do Red Tornado And uh, so he's got some great posts out there about Red Tornado. He's not producing content for right now, but the content that's there is is absolutely great. So definitely check that out.
1: The fact that the blog has not been updated in a while makes it seem sort of sad, which makes it, of course, all that appropriate, more appropriate for Red Tornado. (laughs) 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 It's just that tinge of sadness. I don't mean that as a slight to the character. I just mean it's like – Oh, you you sure as hell did. No. No, no. no, That's not what I meant.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. We all know Gene Roddenberry stole – stole data from Red Tornado. Anyway. But, uh, wow, I, I was going to jump it. into other sort of sites to check out. Did you want to throw any JLA bloggers out there? Before well, yeah, we
1: if I can get a friggin' word in Edgeweiser in the segment. Um, there is. Oh, dirty blog. There's, <laughs> there's a great, it's not JLA related, sort of. Well, it is if Alex Ross had his way. Um, there is www.marvelfamily.com which is pretty mm. much what it sounds like. That is an amazing site just for the sheer comprehensiveness of it I mean it covers every single aspect of Captain Marvel and the Marvel family it's got like fun facts and downloads and it just it covers the, the the TV show the movie serial the comics everything it is such a it is such a fun it it, it like visually reflects the character um, it is a beautifully designed site um, I wish I had more time to visit it and just spend like when people have said to me that they've, like, when they first dis- discover the shrine, that they spend hours just going through all the content. Like that makes me feel good because it feels like it's like, you know, uh, you're discovering a great book that you never knew existed, and that's what Marvel Family is like. If you if you are even halfway interested in Captain Marvel, um, or if you have like just a horrible grudge against the character, um, <laughs> go to visit, and you will just you will just lose yourself in 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 the content. It's a great, it's a really great site.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. now I don't think he has a blog on it, but no, it's a it's,
1: website. it's a, yeah, it's, yeah. It's,
2: but God the, the amount of information in his you know yeah. database, if you will, or just the way the pages are laid out, it's astonishing.
1: yeah, it's pretty pretty staggering stuff. Um, and there's one other one I wanted to mention, but unfortunately, as I'm looking it up here, it looks like the site is gone. So, ah. uh, yeah, it makes me kind of sad. There was a Challengers of the Unknown blog. I just love the idea of doing a blog oh, about the Oh, cool, there event. was. But you go to the page now, and it just goes to some generic, like, web ring page. So it looks like it's gone forever. So that makes me kind of sad. Uh-huh. So if anybody out there really loves the Challengers of the Unknown, start a Challengers of the Unknown blog.
2: If anyone wants to start a Dr. Fate blog or a Blue Devil blog, don't do that. Get, screw you. Yeah. Uh, that's get sad. in touch. No, no, I'm going to screw you, Rob. Uh, Get in touch with me, and, you know, maybe we co do it or something, because I, man, I I don't have time for run Roma myself, but Blue Devil and Dr. Faye, my heart belongs there.
1: Yeah, for those of you interested in tagging up with uh, uh, Shag, you can see what a great partner he is. So, yeah, get right in on that. (laughs) Buddy, I carry this show, so shut up. Um, Yeah, okay, that's so
2: not true. We know they're all here for the Aquaman content, and they just tolerate the Firestorm stuff. But anyway, <laughs> first from 816, stand up for me! Anyway, so, um, <laughs> that's subliminal. Going to run through a couple other ones that are superhero-related that are just fun. I think you are worth checking out Alpha Flight. Um, I think I've professed my love for Alpha Flight before on this podcast. And, and as a direct response to Frank, yes, Frank, I am a huge Marvel Comics fan as well. Uh, I am steeped in gosh, what, 30 years of DC love and history, but, I mean, it's it's steeped in as much Marvel as well, so, while I may not be able to name every villain of the Fantastic Four, I sure as heck know my Alpha Flight, my Daredevils, and, uh, you know, some of my X stuff, so, anyway, Alpha Flight, alphaflight.net, it's a really great site, you'd think Alpha Flight wouldn't have such a kick-butt site, but they do. Uh, it's got a forum, it's got news, it's got oh, it's just great. Go check it out if you love if you love those Canucks. Uh AmbushBug has a pretty funny site. It's uh you know what? if you like it, I'm not even gonna bother to say anything. Because if you if you're one of those cool people that are in on it the ambush bug log, You know amb- who you are. Right. If you're in on ambush bug, if you're cool enough to get it and really get it, then you're just gonna go to the site. I don't need to sell it. Uh it's I I don't even know how to pronounce this word. For a man? So it's dot um, com slash AmbushBug. Go check it out. Uh, Avengers, uh, a nice guy named Van Plexico, runs a fantastic Avengers site. It's uh, AvengersAssemble.net. It's one of the oldest Avengers sites out there. Uh, you've got your forums, you've got a tremendous amount of news. It's just a really great place if you want to catch up on your Avengers lore. Uh this this next one's actually I found through you, Rob. Um I, that's, the, I that's
1: the porno one. I told you not to mention that on the air. No, this is the other one. Oh, alright right. right. I'm gonna have to edit that out. I'm to really right. edit it out this time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know what the, it's called besides Batgirl Mera Batwoman. Is that what it's called?
1: I I guess so. I, I
2: yeah. It's uh it's Chicas de dot um. So with the, the ladies of red,
1: I think so. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, Batgirl, which Mara, is why you and I, I visited. <laughs> well, it, it, it's all about the redheads. That's so true. So, um, and and sometimes I think some of the posts are in Spanish, uh, and sometimes they're in English, if I remember correctly. So, uh, another Wonder Woman blog put together by some of our other friends that have been part of our crossovers before, uh, like Bubba Shelby and and folks like that, is, is Wonder Woman Amazon Princess. Which is amazon princessblogspotcom They do another. They do another Wonder Woman great site. That's great. If you're a Superman fan, uh, really, you, you mentioned the Marvel page. There's a Superman one that's even a step up beyond that. I'd say called the Superman homepage. I mean, this is this is this is the CNN for Superman. It's just massive. Uh, they've got tons of correspondence. They do podcasts. They do video podcasts. They do just it's 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 a monster, and you so, know if
1: you're gonna tackle Superman on the web you gotta <laughs> you, yeah you gotta really go at it you go
2: big or go home, and these guys went big so uh and a relatively new site that's just getting out there uh it's about elongated man i I'm totally gonna drag this guy into our future crossovers um it's the URL's huge. It's a uh, Ralph Dibney, the world hyphen famous elongated He <laughs> was
1: not interested in people visiting, apparently.
2: <laughs> Why, well, you know, whatever. But uh, anyway, it's a
1: great site. I mean if you love elongated man, this is a fun, fun site to be at it is. check it out. It is.
2: Uh, I have a buddy over in New Zealand named John who runs his own blog called the Physit Blog, but he's a big firestorm aficionado. And he owns a lot of original Firestorm artwork, and he's a really great, super nice guy. And he uh, – a lot of his posts on his blog are about Firestorm. He, In fact, he had this whole series of uh, how to – oh, God, I can't remember the exact name. It's like how to, how to treat women by Firestorm. And it's just like example of example after example of horrible things that Firestorm had did <laughs> to girls, you know. Be it from ditching his girlfriend to go save the day and she feels jilted to literally Ronnie Raymond decking and knocking out his own stepmother <laughs> so she didn't see him transform into Firestorm. Um, it's awesome. So go to FizzitFizzam, which is F-I-Z-Z-I-T hyphen F-Z-A-M, com, and then just click the Firestorm label on Rolls the side. Rolls right off the tongue. Well, it's it, it's it's actually a play on Firestorm. Whenever he would shoot his powers, he'd go fazam Well, one time it didn't work right, and it sort of sparked and went, Zip! like it wasn't working, and that's where he gets the name from. It's clever. It's it's clever. All right, I'm not saying it's not clever. There is. one of my favorite sites. This is this thing's just goofy as hell. Is it used to be the Brave and the Bold lost issues? Now it's a Marvel two in one the lost issues. Have you seen this thing? I have. I love it. He 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 makes up a new Brave and the Bold or Marvel Two in One cover every day, and they're they're crazy. I mean, like it'll you know there's a whole lot of you know sort of like the thing teaming up with Batman ones. sure, but then he's got somewhere like you know Adam Strange is teaming up with Brother Voodoo or you know whatever. <laughs> I mean, crazy combinations, and and he'll actually have the cover. He'll take cover you know images of different heroes and figure out a way to make them work together and I love when he puts the word balloons on the covers because those are always my favorite you know like there, you know, like there's one with Power Pack and Batman and I think Batman's like welcome to the family kids or something you know it's just it's awesome I love this site it's uh, braveandboldlost.blogspot.com um, you'll get a real kick out of that one we have a buddy named Dan who is I think also in
1: New Zealand if I remember right yes I believe so
2: and uh, he puts together a great comic site. Uh, really, a lot of news worthy checking out. It's kind of, of the sites that if you want to keep up on comic news, I'd check his site every day. It's called uh, it'sadansworld.blogspot.com. Great stuff, and Dan's a super nice guy, so well worth your time. And then finally, uh, Frank has one more site that I forgot to
1: mention. Before. So of course, he does. <laughs> this is his. He, he started it. He started this blog while we were recording this podcast. <laughs>
2: this one's his his sorta of out there blog. So uh this is one you may not want to visit while you're at work. Uh it's called Nerg. And he'll cover everything from the Emmanuel softcore porn movies to you know, the ones you used to watch on cinemax when you were a kid when your parents were asleep. Or uh he'll cover, you know, a comic issue title or whatever he feels like doing. It's kind of his, you know, purging his Grant Morrison insanity blog, I, I would say. Anyway, it's, uh, it's nerd.blogspot.com And there are more out there. If you, again, if you go to firestormfan.com, you'll see other superhero sites. There are more. There's a Joker blog. There's a Legion of Superheroes blog. There's a Team Up blog. There's Spider-Man, Swamp Thing, I mean, Teen Titans. There's stuff out there. Go check them out. They're all worthwhile. I just wanted to take a moment to mention um, ones that were sort of near and dear to my heart because of past relations or they paid me money or, you know, to say this or whatever.
1: The check's clear either way.
2: Exactly. So, I've been talking a lot. Rob's going to talk for a while now while I drink some Diet
1: Sundrop. Um, yeah, um, after that uh, very long segment of Shag just sort of prattling on and on and on, um, we're going to move on to, I'm going to mention one more blog and then we're going to be done. Um, this is not a JLA blog at all, but it's, it's done by a pal, um, it's done. It's called um, as told to Stan Lee and it is all about '60s and '70s romance comics. Um, oh, it, awesome! It is written by Amy Bias, who is the wife of Aaron Bias. Um, if you recently, they just celebrated their wedding anniversary, and they both had posts on their respective blogs about their anniversary, chronicling like their 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 first meeting and their courtship. Uh, it's utterly adorable. They are probably the coolest couple. Uh, anybody could ever know. I mean, for God's sakes, how many guys can claim that they have a wife who does blogs about, like, Charlton and romance comics? I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so as – and as Tultu to Stanley is just a lot of fun. And uh, it's it's shot through Amy's sort of skewed sense of humor um, on a very goofy subject. And it's a, it's a blast. It's just – it's one of those ones where I'm like, I make the effort to leave a comment on every single post. You know, she Don't doesn't. Watch. She only posts every couple of, like maybe once a week or a little bit more than that. But I, I always check back often because I just, because her comments, her responses to your comments are just as funny as the blog post. So, um, it is a great, great blog. So, uh, and it is part of, much like the Rob Kelly family blogs, it is part of Specter Girl's House of Blog, because she has like four or five other blogs about other things, about gothic romance novels and Viewmas- the Viewmasters. And a couple other things, so it's uh, she, she's she's a scream. She's a real scream. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So anyway, that uh, that was all we were going to cover in terms of the uh, the multitude of blogging out there. Um, and we're going to move into our final segment. As always, this is the uh, listener mail segment, which is a, a fan favorite, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, again, since since uh, Shag's throat is currently raw and bloody, I'm gonna keep, uh, going to keep going. One of the things I want to mention comes from the DC Comics message board. Um, and we have a couple comments. Uh, one that Shag's going to read, but I'm going to read one from Firestorm 816. He left two separate comments. One was, "Episode six just came out today. Good stuff yet again. So far, at least, I'm only 20 minutes into it, which is fantastic." He's leaving a comment before he's even finished listening. Um, had to come here and post. Co- had to come and post here immediately in the hopes of beating Charlemagne to it. So but, <laughs> I'm great that, they, that they're. Squabbling back and forth.
2: No, these guys have been great. They've been huge supporters of the podcast, and uh, they talk about it on the list, on the message board for DC Comics. And I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate them doing that. And uh, they're just—it's almost like, as he's saying, there's a competition to talk about our podcast first. <laughs>
1: yeah, I can't beat that. Um, so then he went back and left a second comment. Uh, for anyone who's planning to catch the new episode, I have to encourage you to keep listening, even if it sounds like the guys are winding up after the episode. Winding up the after listener mail segment. There's about fifteen extra minutes at the end with two pretty cool things. One, you can hear Shag suddenly forget how to end the show. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> that would be the edits that would make, yes. <laughs> and two, more importantly though, you get some news about a project Rob, that fish guy, has apparently been working on for quite a while. It seems he and another gentleman are going to be publishing a daily webcomic starting on Monday, October thirty first. I believe the title and he is correct is Ace Kilroy, which seems to have a bit of Indiana Jones fights Nazis and movie monsters vibe to it. Just listening to Rob talk about it, you can tell how he really put his heart into this project. If you're a fan of the show, I'd encourage you to check out his documentary site for some details about it on Monday and support him. Thank you, Firestorm Eight Sixteen. That is a huge, huge thing. I'm really I was a little worried that by plugging Ace Kilroy sort of so extensively, like almost like taking the, the show hostage for like ten minutes or whatever it was. Um, I was a little worried about that because I hate to be so hard sell, um, but uh, so far I've got nothing but, but positive response to it, so I appreciate that. Um, and yes, please go visit AceKilroy.com, and you can read at this. By the time I upload this show, there'll be I think a little, just a little under two weeks worth of strips up, so you can read you know the first two weeks of the of of, of the continuity, and. Um, if you like what you see, you know, please spread the word. We're doing the Kickstarter campaign. We're trying to raise $5,000 by the middle of December, and we are um, a good chunk of the way there, but we, we need to get across the finish line. And it would really, it is my dream project uh, that we're working on for a while, and uh, I would love nothing more than to call myself the writer of Ace Kilbury as my uh, full-time job, with uh, the Shrine being the uh, my uh Side hobby, of course. Um, well, I mean, let's put it out there, though. I mean, the fact is, if you support
2: Ace Kilroy, you're supporting Rob, and thus, you're helping support this show.
1: Yes, thank you very much again. Put it very more succinctly than I could do. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to sort of create this thing that uh, my partner, uh, my artistic partner, Dan, and I have uh, are, are trying to see if we can make it work. And uh, again, I don't want to take too much time uh, of the show about it, but. Um, you know, go check it out, and, and if you like it, um you like said, either you can donate to the Kickstarter campaign or, just as importantly, just spread the word. You know, like get it out there. get it, Put it – mention it on a message board. Mention it on a blog. You know, put it – mention it to people who you think would like it, and uh, maybe we'll, you know, get a groundswell going and not only make our goal of 5000 but, you know, I would love to shoot past that and uh, have a real – I'd love to break Kickstarter's bank on this, obviously. So, um, <laughs> So thank you again, Firestorm816, for taking the time to, to mention that. And, uh, you know, oh, by the way, Firestorm816, I don't know if that's like a birthday. That's my birthday, 816. So I don't know if Firestorm816 and I share a birthday or what, but uh, it's pretty cool.
2: Awesome. Well, he's been a big supporter of the show, as I said, and, uh, and I'm, it was, I was really excited when I saw him mention Ace Kilroy. So that's fantastic. So thank you very much for that. And, again, folks, support Ace Kilroy. Support, uh, that helps support Fire and Water Podcast. So
1: AceKilroy.com.
2: Yep, absolutely. There you go, good man. You're learning to, to man up and, and plug your stuff. Now, I mentioned earlier, uh, Firestorm 816 and Charlemagne are sort of competing to get you know mention it first on the message boards. Well, Charlemagne went and did Firestorm 816 one better and actually sent us an email. So uh, I'm going to read that real quick. This is from... Uh, As I said, Charlemagne, it's uh, also, his real name is Roy Cleary. Now Firestorm 816 will be looking and trying to find his house and toilet papering it and stuff. Anyway, Shag and Rob, just listened to the latest episode of Fire and Water, and as always, a great show. First off, I'm a diehard Firestorm fan. It was Firestorm that got me into comics, and it was Firestorm that got me out of comics. Or rather, what DC did to Firestorm in killing off Ronnie and replacing him. But now with the new DC, I've come back on a trial basis. I chose ten books, and of course Firestorm was the top of that list. While I've always been a casual fan of Aquaman, I read his run in the 90s. I didn't include his new book on my pull list. Ha <laughs> ha. But, because... <laughs> That's not actually in the letter. But, but be- I thought the laugh, at least. But because Rob was so passionate about the new book, I bought the first two issues off of eBay and had to pay above retail. So <laughs> thanks to... Be- <laughs> so thanks to you <laughs> for that aqua loving and so and so. But I kid. I'll get to my local comic shop and add it to my list, starting with issue number three. Anyway, show related, and I've got a little something to add to Shag's story about Giffen's short-lived Suicide Squad run, featuring uh, Suicide Squad run featuring Killer Frost. I mentioned it last episode, folks. Keith Giffen's Suicide Squad run in the 2000s oh, was so good. It was 12 issues. I'm not even going to tell you what happens at the end of the last issue because you'll be picking your jaw up off the floor. It's that good. Anyway, uh, just before DC phased out printed letter columns in the back of comic books, I was lucky enough to win the, quote, name the letter column title, end quote, contest for that short-lived series. Shaggy, if you have those books handy, you can pull out issue number seven, I believe it is, and see my letter with the winning submission in the back of the book. I do have them not quite within reach, but I've got them, and I'll be checking that later. I had written letters to comics over the years, but this was my finest moment. DC did end up sending me a large amount of books and posters that they had lying around the office, so it's not like I didn't get anything for the effort. So I thought you might think it's cool, since you also enjoyed the given run. I'm reading the new DC version of The Squad, but nothing compares to the classic Ostranger run. Brother, preach it. You are so right. Um, keep up the fantastic work, guys. Fan the flame, and ride a (laughs) seahorse? That's okay. Awesome. I love it. Then again, that's Charlemagne on the DC Comics message boards. Um, I'm going to run through a couple other letters. Um, Let's see. By the way, I wanted to mention, uh, I I say this every episode, I say it again, your comments mean so much to us, folks. Uh, Honestly, it helps make you part of the show. gives us to share your information, like that great story from Charlemagne about the Suicide suicides. What? That's like a tongue twister.
1: Suicide, Suicide
2: Squad comic, um, and it, it makes you guys part of the show. And I think that's that's one of my personal favorites of the of the thing. And honestly, Rob and I have huge egos, and we need the constant stroking. And I'll be honest, I think maybe I scared everyone by saying how many. You know, we keep getting all these comments because this this last episode there was actually a large drop off. So understand, guys, that Rob. You know, while he's dealing with the Ace Kilroy promotion, he's also crying himself to sleep. Because we didn't get as much feedback for this last episode. Don't, he's think,
1: don't cry out loud. Just keep it inside. Learn how to hide your feelings. <laughs> well, he's thinking they hate my coverage of the trench, you know, or something,
2: whatever. Um, so <laughs> don't don't be sen- afraid. Sentence has never been uttered before. And never again. Uh, <laughs> and so don't be afraid to send in your cards, your letters, your messages, because, you know, again, we'll read as many as we can on the show, and it's, you know, it's, it's great to interact with you guys this way. Or put them on the blogs, and we, you know, we can write each other back and forth in comments. So,
1: what's what's our email address, Rob? Firewaterpodcast at net. There
2: you go. Here's another letter right here from longtime listener Lil Russell Burbage. Dear Firewater Guys... I meant to write this last week, but I forgot. Um, contrary to Shag's idea, with <laughs> the two G's, he cracks me up. Contrary <laughs> to Shag's idea, Alex Ross does not hate Firestorm. That is not why he never uses many of his projects. And, and Russell actually goes on here. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a. There's a lot of information in the letter, but he explains how Alex. Stop, in his mind, the way he creates his DC Universe, it stops with the murder of Iris Allen and Arthur Curry Jr. So everything takes place just before those two murders, because that's where the DC Universe really just changed for him. So it just so happens Firestorm joined after Iris Allen and Arthur Curry Jr. joined the Justice League. That's why Firestorm is left out of all the Alex Ross JLA stuff. Um, Russell, I think that's very nice of you to defend Alex. Um, to make up this bogus story that you have absolutely no proof or factual content to to support. Um, You know, I don't know whether you're friends with Alex, maybe you're like his neighbor, or you, I don't know, you share a laundromat, whatever, but I don't think you need to go out of your way to support him, and let's just be honest, he hates Firestorm. Uh, I just had to say. Uh, Quick shout-out to Luke Giaconetti. Luke Giaconetti. He was kind enough to drop us two letters, Uh, Some great stuff in there, and um, I actually got lost when he started talking about Mara, Hawkgirl, and Cinnamon again. I just totally lost track of what he was talking about at that point. (laughs) Uh, So, all right, hey, last episode, there was, and Frank pointed this out, and little Russell Burbage jumped in on for a piece of this, too. There was a DC Challenge reference.
1: Oh, yes, there was.
2: That you threw out that I did not catch at the time. I knew there was something to it. I'm like, Rob just said something obscure. I don't know what that means. And then after they they, they added it, I'm like, oh, that's right. But anyway, could you help uh, enlighten the listeners, please?
1: Yeah, I made reference to Aquaman. Uh, well, apparently in the new, not the new one, but in an upcoming issue of Aquaman, number five, I believe, he's stranded in the desert. And I made a joke about uh, the only way he's going to survive is to biting into the neck of a vulture, uh, which, you know, was met with stony silence by Shag. Um, that's a reference from DC Challenge, which was a miniseries in 1985 86. It was a maxi series, and each issue was written by a different writer. And the, 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 the gist of it was each writer would sort of leave a cliffhanger or cliffhangers for the writer of the following issue to pick up. And then you, as the writer of the new issue, had to solve those cliffhangers and then write new ones for the next writer to pick up. Um, it really was just sort of a genre exercise, but it was a lot of fun, you know, a writerly exercise, but it was a lot of fun. And it used a lot of obscure characters. And there was a point where uh, there was an issue where Aquaman is left dying in the desert. And the trick was, well, how are we going to get him out of this? And without, you know, like cheating You know, we're having him just, you know, I guess you could, if you wanted to, you know, have Dr. Fate show up and teleport him away, but that would be sort of cheating. You had to try to come up with something a little more natural. And, um, Aquaman is, uh, being, uh, swarmed over by vultures because they figure he's going to die. And, um... Pretty good bet. Pretty good bet. And old vultures love all things orange. It's just true. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, one of the vultures gets too close and Aquaman deciding uh, that, you know, hey, all's fair in love and war bites into the neck of a vulture because, of course uh, – your blood is like 90% water. So it gets him enough water to survive, which is, you know, a particularly bloodthirsty moment. Um, I believe that issue was drawn by Cormen inventino So it's relatively bloodless, uh, both literally and figuratively. Um, I guess if you would have been, you know, if it had been drawn by somebody else, you know, it might've been pretty horrendous, but Carmine, it looks fairly innocuous, to, even though the, the moment is pretty, pretty nasty. Um, and of course that is taken from, I believe, a Conan um, book by, I don't know if it's a Robert, Robert Howard Conan book or one of the later ones. But it's that's from a Conan book where I think Conan has been crucified and uh, he grabs a vulture and bites into its neck to survive or something. So it's even that is, is taken from something else. But anyway, that was the moment I was referring to. It's, 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 it's a weird Aquaman moment just to see him bite into the neck of a vulture and basically drink its blood. You know, so trying to get some of that twilight heat. I love
2: how uh, little Russell Burbage and uh, Frank jump in and try and outdo you one a little bit. They start talking about that reference, and then uh, little Russell Burbage says he was expecting you to reference the terrible five-star superhero spectacular story, (laughs) which uh, – I know, Russell hates. He just hates (laughs) (laughs) it. And then Frank comes back with saying – uh, hopefully, some members of the Royal Flush Gang will be lying around in that desert as well. Yeah. <laughs> so they just uh, they keep building on each other because these guys with you know, insane amounts of comic knowledge. I love it. It was great. That was over on the Aquaman blog, uh, Aquaman Shrine.
1: Yeah, sorry, just get the name wrong. It's fine.
2: It's uh, aqua, aqua Water blog thing. It's anyway. topo
1: the morning.blogspot.com.
2: So That's friggin' genius. All right, a uh, quick shout out to our peeps out on Twitter who are helping spread the word. Thank you. Lee Novak, you rock. Caffeinated Joe, thank you so much, sir. Moldwick, I, I, I feel bad because I think I mispronounce your name every time. Uh, Alan Middleton and Ben Avery, thank you, folks. Uh, we really appreciate you guys giving the Fire & Water podcast a shout-out, whether it be through a retweet or say your own things about it. Hey, you know, it, it means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. Finally, I had one. Uh, I was gonna, The last thing I was going to cover was an iTunes review. And uh, by the way, those iTunes reviews are especially appreciated because that helps push up our rating and value on iTunes to help more people find the podcast, to help build a, a, a bigger base of y'all to create this bigger community of Firestorm and Aquaman fans, so that we can communicate with one another and you know build a presence. You know, uh, so this this one is by Professor Stein's Floating Head. <laughs> Love it. And uh the name of the review he wrote is the most interesting podcast in the world. <laughs> and it goes Rob, a man so amazing that when he looks in the mirror, his reflection gives him a thumbs up.
1: That is so true.
2: Shag, a guy so incredible that when he was abducted by aliens, they asked him to probe them. Ah uh, okay. He uh, Aquaman- <laughs> yeah. Uh, Aquaman, a hero so powerful that is he in, he is indeed allowed to talk about Fight Club, and Firestorm so cool that he can win a game of Connect Four in only three moves.
0: <laughs> I did like
2: that. One. I love that. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Fire and Water podcast. <laughs> so I dig that. That's fantastic. Obviously, that's a play on the world's most uh, interesting man. Uh, but uh, so, and all my pronunciations were off probably. But I would
1: personally welcome a Dos Equis sponsorship of the Fire and Water podcast.
2: Rock on. Absolutely. <laughs> so that, uh, again, we've got, uh, we've got other comments here and stuff, folks. Fantastic stuff. Very much appreciated. Keep those cards and letters and messages coming. And uh, we will read as many as we can on the show. But we have already gone an incredible length of time.
1: <laughs> I've just and given I- up the notion that we're ever going to do an hour-long show. <laughs> I was going to say I mean, like 2 hours ago we said this was going to be short yeah, right? I just yeah. I just just completely given up on that.
2: <laughs> I think we're going to have to. So. Yeah.
1: There's just yeah, that's fine. I'll just spend the rest of my life editing. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> um so anyway, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Fire and Water podcast. As usual, you can find Firestorm at shag where's that?
2: Firestorm fan .com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter with the same name, Firestorm Fan.
1: There you go. And you can find Aquaman at the com and the Aquaman Shrine Twitter feed, the Aquaman Shrine Facebook page, uh, the Aquaman Shrine puppet show, uh, <laughs> the, the uh, Aquaman, Occupy Wall Street uh, movement that we're doing. Um, Ocupi- we're all over the place. Occupy Atlantis. Occupy Atlantis. Oh, I should have said that. That's so much better. Damn it. Anyway... Um, Maybe it's the it's the uh, sun soda or whatever it is you're drinking. So it's it's the one in the morning thing. Is I, what it I is. guess so. Well, but well, but it's one in the morning here too. I don't understand. Well, anyway, it's, it's new. It's New Jersey time. It's different. Well, that is true um, <laughs> in so many ways. So anyway, uh, like I said, that will wrap up this episode. Thank you always for listening and downloading. We really appreciate it. Um, topo of the morning to you. Ride the wave. I don't know. Uh, Fan the flame, baby. Fan the, fan the, Well, I was gonna, I was gonna let you say that. I was just working out my. I just, I just, stuff. I just did. Okay, that's great. You're anyway, not listening. Well, not really, not at this point. All right. Uh, anyway, the show's wrapping up. Thank you for listening, and uh, <laughs> we hope you come back for the next episode. Until then, thank you very much. And uh, Shag, you want to say goodbye? Goodbye, Shags. All right. See you later, guys. Bye.
3: Aquaman and Firestorm. Truth and justice in sea, on land, and air.
0: Firestorm and Aquaman they make us super fair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever.
3: Yeah!
1: Perhaps the coolest part, though, is the translucent orange fire on the top of his head.